Well, as I said a moment ago, uh, I have been so anxiously looking forward to the opportunity to preach to a live audience once again. Uh, I've missed all of you guys so much. And uh, as I said earlier, this is just a stepping stone today. We're going to be back together very soon, uh, just a couple weeks from today on June 14th. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have another drive-in service like this. And uh, tomorrow, our communications team is going to be sending out information about that service and opportunities to register. So I, I hope you'll join us again next week as we slowly transition back into collective corporate worship here. But then on uh, June 14th, we're going to be back together inside our church gymnasium. And uh, our elder board and staff team is currently working on plans for how that regathering will look. Uh, we appreciate your patience with us. We appreciate your flexibility with us. Uh, those two words, patience and flexibility, are going to be at a premium for our church here in the coming weeks. We're going to need to continue to exercise uh, those virtues uh, because, uh, as you know, in recent weeks, the uh, the current status of both the coronavirus stuff and just our culture, culture's response to it, uh, things are changing so rapidly that uh, we might share news with you one day and realize, hey, we need to change things up right away. So we'll be trying to keep you as well-informed as possible in the coming days. But again, the game plan is for another drive-in service next Sunday. And again, you'll be able to start registering for that as soon as tomorrow. And then we're going to follow up uh, in on June 14th with worship in the gymnasium. And we're going to send out some instructions this coming week for how that process is going to look. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different than our typical Sunday gatherings in the sanctuary. We're going to have some extra safety measures in place for when we come back. But again, it's going to be so good to be back together and to uh, to sing the Lord's praises together and to grow together. And so I just want to invite you to, number one, be excited about that day be uh, and be in prayer for that day. Uh, it's coming soon. And uh, it's going to be a really special and historic Sunday for us as a church. One other quick announcement I want to share with you this morning. Next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we are going to be holding our semi-annual business meeting here in the church parking lot. We're going to do it just like this, drive-in style. So uh, for those of you who are members of Lakes Free Church especially, we'd invite you to come back and join us Sunday evening uh, as we hold our business meeting. Uh, there's nothing to vote on at this business meeting. It'll be ministry team reports. We're going to give you a uh, financial update. We're going to give you updates on the renovation project that's happening. So there's going to be some fun and exciting news to share, and you're going to get to hear from our different staff members about uh, the things that have been going on behind the scenes in recent weeks. So we want to invite you to join us. That's going to be next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Again, all of you are welcome, but especially those of you who are members here at Lakes Free, we would invite you to come out if you're able to join us uh, next Sunday evening. Well, I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer as we uh, ask the Lord to open our hearts and receive his word this morning. And uh, we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Revelation today, wrapping up with Jesus' seventh letter to the church in Asia Minor, the church of Laodicea today probably one of the most well-known of Jesus' seven letters, and uh, probably one of the most important of his letters for us as God's people here at Lakes Free Church to hear and to, to listen to very diligently and to consider its application for our own lives. So I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to get those ready. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3 today, and uh, before we do that, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer and just ask God's blessing over our time of teaching this morning. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to be together today. And Lord, it's so good to worship you and to come to your table and fellowship around the bread and the cup. It's so good to see our friends' faces once again. We've missed our church family, Lord. And we thank you for bringing us through a very difficult season to this place today where we can at least be together uh, somewhat closer in proximity to worship and, and rejoice together. And now, Lord, as we turn to your word, we pray that you would open our eyes and open our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the truth of this passage for us this morning, that you, Lord, would help me to communicate clearly. And God, this message, this passage that is so important for us here at Lakes Free today, especially, Lord, I think this letter in particular has a word for us as a church, a word of caution for us as a church. God, open our ears today, open our hearts, open our eyes. May we be humble and receptive to what you want to teach us today. We thank you, Jesus, for your word here in the book of Revelation, and we ask your blessing now as we turn to study it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was the summer of my sixth grade year, and I had been anxiously looking forward to the end of the school year because that first weekend when school was let out, I was going to be going with my best friend and his family to their newly purchased family cabin uh, for the first time. And, uh, and this was a really exciting time for me because, you know, I had done, I had done overnighters and stuff, but this was the first time I was going to a friend's cabin to, uh, to enjoy fishing and time on the lake. And we were all excited for this great weekend of, of fun and games at my, at my buddy's cabin. Well, we got there, we drove up north and, uh, checked out the property and the new cabin. We had a great day as we, uh, just explored and had a lot of fun playing and swimming and boating. And later that evening, as we began to prepare for bed, I, I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth. And as I turned on the faucet in my friend's bathroom there in their cabin, I began to notice a very funky aroma coming out of the bathroom, coming from the sink. And I thought to myself, this is really weird. This, this doesn't seem right. And, and as I, as I stood there, it began to smell more and more and, and overwhelm me with this, uh, aroma of rotten eggs. Now I was a sixth grade boy at the time, so I didn't know what was going on. Uh, but it turned out that my friend, their cabin had a well that was, uh, full of sulfur. And so it created this rotten egg smell when the water came out. And for me, you know, a, a suburban kid from Eden Prairie with, you know, purified water, this was the first time I had ever come across this sensation of this, this strong sulfur aroma. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this? I mean, it was so bad. I almost gagged just from the smell of it. I, I, I got my toothbrush ready and uh, I started brushing my teeth. And as soon as I got that water and the, and the smell of that water in my mouth, I literally started dry heaving at the sink in the bathroom because it was so powerful. And I had, again, I had never experienced that before as a, as a 12, 13 year old boy. I literally spit the water out of my mouth and, and couldn't even handle it. Well, you know, it's interesting as I was thinking about that memory this week, I was reminded of that memory because today we're going to discover a church that had their own water problems. 
The church in Laodicea had their own water problems, but their water problems were, were not so much physical as much as they were a metaphor for what was going on spiritually there in their church. They had some significant issues that Jesus addresses in his letter to them here in Revelation chapter 3. And the water problems there in the church of Laodicea, Jesus says, just like my experience at my friend's cabin, that their water problems made him sick, made him want to spit them out of his mouth. It's a harsh image. It's a hard image for us to even imagine Jesus spewing out his church, them making him sick. Well, today we're in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. I want to read Jesus' letter to the church in Laodicea, and then I want to share with you today three observations from this important letter, the final letter to the seven churches. Starting in verse 14, Jesus says this, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As I mentioned, friends, this is probably one of the most significant letters of the seven that Jesus wrote 2,000 years ago to the churches in Asia Minor. And it's a letter that I think we, especially here at Lakes Free Church, need to listen to intently and take to heart. I want to make three observations this morning from Jesus' teaching here in this seventh letter. In the letter to the Laodicean church, we find, number one, the kind of church that sickens Jesus. The kind of church that sickens Jesus. It's even difficult to to say those words or even think about those words. But Jesus reveals here this church that sickens him. One of my favorite authors of the 20th century, one of the great Christian authors, C.S. Lewis, in his classic work, The Screwtape Letters, tells the story of a senior level demon named Screwtape who takes under his wing a a junior demon named Wormwood. 
and, and screw tape has been assigned by the devil to train up wormwood in the ways of deceit and, and sin and leading people astray away from the Lord into the clutches of our adversary, the devil. Screw tape in a portion of the book gives to Wormwood a job description. And in the job description that Wormwood receives, we find this line. I, the devil, will always see to it that there are bad people in this world. Your job, my dear Wormwood, is to provide me with the people who do not care. This junior demon was instructed that his job was to provide our enemy, the devil, with people who do not care. Friends, have you ever considered the possibility that apathy and complacency in the Christian life are considered victories by the devil? Did you know that? They are. Apathetic, complacent Christians, the devil considers that a win. Satan loves it when Christians especially take their eyes off of the Lord, off of his calling for our lives, off of the needs of the world around us. You see, Satan wins when Christians no longer care. And you know, friends, there are many ways that the devil can lead Christians into apathy and complacency in their lives and faith. But today, today, as we look at Jesus' letter to the church in Laodicea, we're going to discover one of his most effective tools for creating Christians and churches who do not care. One of his most effective tools for creating Christians and churches who do not care. In order to, to see this, we need to first understand some of the background, the context of the church that Jesus is writing to here in his seventh letter, the church of Laodicea. The church of Laodicea was a unique church out of all the seven that Jesus addresses here in Revelations 1 through 3. You see, it was the wealthiest of all the seven churches in Asia Minor. It was a prosperous church. Not only was it a wealthy, prosperous church, but it found itself in the midst of the wealthiest, most prosperous city of Asia Minor. Laodicea was a very well-to-do place. Laodicea was an international center for banking and trade and finance. It was at the crossroads between Europe and Asia and Africa, and so it became a key financial hub there in that Middle Eastern portion of the world. And this brought great wealth into the city. Laodicea was also known as a center of fashion in the ancient world at the end of the first century. It was the fashion hub of the ancient world. The Laodiceans had developed a particular kind of black wool that was highly sought after all over the world. And this wool especially ended up bringing in all kinds of riches to the people of Laodicea. And not only was it a center of wealth and banking and trade, a center of fashion, it was also known as a center of medicine in the ancient world. Laodicea had a famous medical school. 
and a famous hospital. And their fame was especially found in a particular eye medicine that they had developed, an eye balm or salve that was sought after all over the world to remedy eye conditions. And so for all of these various reasons, Laodicea was a well-known city, a city that had accumulated great wealth. It was a healthy, wealthy, prosperous community. And friends, the church of Laodicea likely mirrored the realities of its city very closely. This was a healthy, wealthy, prosperous church. It's very interesting when we read Jesus' description of the church in Laodicea and we read this seventh letter. Unlike many of the other letters that we've studied in recent weeks, friends, did you notice there's no mention of persecution there in the church of Laodicea? There's no mention of these Christians experiencing any tribulation there from the Romans around them or the Jews around them or the pagans around them. There's no persecution. And you have to ask yourself the question, why, when most of the other Christians at the end of the first century were facing tremendous persecution, what was unique about this church? Well, we don't know for sure, but friends, I would venture to guess based on the evidence of our passage this morning that the reason we see no mention of persecution there in Laodicea is because this was a church that had become irrelevant to the community around them. This was a church that had become so inward focused, so indifferent to the needs of the world around them, that they had taken their eyes off of the mission that we've been given as Christians to go and make disciples of our community, to go and serve our world as the hands and feet of Jesus. This church had become so complacent in their mission that there was nothing to persecute them over. They looked no different from anyone else in the culture around them. You see, this was a church that was wealthy, It was comfortable, it was self-sufficient, it was self-satisfied, and it was self-centered. And it was a church that probably represents the greatest risk facing many churches here in America today, including our own friends here at Lakes Free. What is that risk? It's the risk of losing dependency, losing dependency on Christ and becoming indifferent towards the mission we've been given. Friends, are you aware that that can happen to Christians? It can happen to churches. We can lose our dependency on the Lord. And as a result of that, we can take our eyes off of the blessings we've been given and the mission he's called us to. We see this here in the church of Laodicea. Listen again to how Jesus describes this church in verses 15 through 17. He says to this church in Laodicea, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm... And neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. 
What a harsh and sad and tragic description the Lord makes of this church in Laodicea. Friends, if you remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus shared with his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said to his disciples, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But friends, the church of Laodicea said just the opposite. They said, we need nothing. We've got it made. Health, wealth, and prosperity. This was a church that had been incredibly blessed by the Lord. But they had forgotten the source of their blessings. And in forgetting the source of their blessings, as a result, they no longer had an attitude of dependency on the Lord. Nor did they honor him by using their lives and their resources for kingdom purposes. Jesus says this church had become lukewarm, bland, stale, totally indifferent to the culture around them, and thereby totally useless to Jesus. Jesus says, you're lukewarm, and because of that, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Friends, this would have been a very harsh word for these Laodiceans to hear because they would have understood very clearly the analogy that Jesus was making. Laodicea knew that for all their wealth and prosperity, they recognized they had a water problem. They recognized that their own water source was highly mineralized and and almost impossible to drink. And so the Laodiceans, they would have to pipe in their water via aqueducts from two surrounding communities. The city of Hierapolis on one side was well known for their thermal hot springs. And so the Laodiceans tried to channel the the hot water from Hierapolis and and bring it into their city. But the problem was, as that hot water traveled miles over the aqueducts, by the time it arrived in Laodicea, it was simply lukewarm. And then the Laodiceans had another city as neighbors, the Colossians, Colossae. And Colossae was known for its refreshing, cool spring water. And so the Laodiceans tried to to pipe in this refreshing, cool spring water into their city. But as that cold spring water made its way down the aqueducts to Laodicea, it slowly warmed and became lukewarm. And so regardless of where they received their water from, by the time it got to their city, it was warm and stale and tepid. It was bland. It was essentially useless. I mean, I I can do something with hot water. I mean, I can use that for washing clothes and bathing and for medicinal purposes. And, And I can do something with cold water, cold, clear water. I mean, that's refreshing to drink. But who likes lukewarm water? Bland, tepid. It makes you want to spit it out of your mouth. And Jesus gives this assessment of the church in Laodicea. They had become lukewarm. They had become indifferent to the Lord. Useless in his mission of reaching the culture around them. 
Jesus says, this kind of attitude in a church makes him sick. The church who's become so self-sufficient and self-centered that they no longer need anything, including recognizing their true need and dependency for the Lord. Jesus says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You know, friends, this kind of attitude should be unfathomable to all of us. I mean, as Christians, we shouldn't even be able to fathom a church or an individual Christian that would become indifferent to the Lord in this kind of way. I mean, I want you to think with me for a minute. Imagine, for example, imagine a fireman, a fireman who was indifferent to fire. Or or imagine, if you will, a doctor, a doctor who is indifferent to sickness. Or think about a boxer. Imagine a professional boxer indifferent to his opponent. I mean, it's ridiculous. But friends, just as each of these scenarios is unbelievable to us, so too should be the idea of a Christian who is indifferent to the Lord or a church who's indifferent to their calling. But sadly, many Christians today are just that, indifferent. They're lukewarm. And Jesus says they make him sick. What a tragic image to think about the Lord viewing one of his churches or any of us as individual Christians in this way, making the Lord sick. That should turn our own stomachs to even think about that. Friends, this letter should be a wake-up call to every single one of us this morning. How would Jesus assess our lives today? Does Jesus look at my life and say, Jason, you're just lukewarm? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You've become so useless. Does Jesus look at our church that way? Friends, I pray not. May it never be. Now, I want us to take a step back for a minute and remember just why it is that Jesus is wholly justified in making such a harsh assessment against this church. You know, I can imagine some of these proud Laodicean Christians might have said to themselves upon reading this letter, who does this guy think he is? I mean, judging us like this. But friends, don't we often respond to the Lord the very same way? We read through scripture or we hear a sermon and the the Holy Spirit convicts us of some sin in our lives. Or we come across a passage that differs God's will, differing from our personal opinion or preference. And we're often quick to ask, who does this guy think he is? Well, who does this guy think he is? Jesus tells us. He tells us in verse 14, at the outset of his letter to the Laodiceans, Jesus says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Who does Jesus think he is? Right here, he tells us. He is the Amen. The word Amen there is the Hebrew word for truth. Jesus is declaring to this church, I am the truth. 
Jesus shared with his disciples in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Friends, when Jesus claims to be the truth, he's not talking about truth in any kind of subjective sense as if he is simply one who gives an opinion or a perspective on truth. No, Jesus is saying, I am the fountainhead of truth. I am the arbiter and judge of all that is true. If you want to know truth, look to me. Jesus declares he is the amen. He is the truth. He then declares to this church that he is the faithful and true witness. And what he's what he means by that statement there, friends, the faithful and true witness, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. All of God's promises find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. And as the faithful and true witness, he is also the embodiment of God's perfect nature and character. Do you want to know what God is like, friends? Look to Jesus Christ, the faithful and true witness. He then tells the Laodiceans that he is the beginning of creation. The beginning of God's creation. Jesus isn't saying here that he was the first of God's creation. No, he is affirming, as he has earlier in our series, that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the eternal God who is not the beginning in terms of the first, but he is the one who caused the beginning of all things that came into existence. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word, Jesus Christ, was with God and was God. And by Him all things came into existence. Jesus says that He is the Creator and Sustainer and Giver of all things. Now friends, as all of these things... Please understand, Jesus is not only the holy, sufficient, and solely competent judge of our lives, but he's also the only one who can provide for us what we truly need and awaken us from our spiritual apathy and indifference. Only Jesus. And this leads me to point number two this morning. In the letter to Laodicea, we find the kind of hope that's available in Jesus. The kind of hope that's available in Jesus. The Christians of Laodicea thought they had it all. Health and wealth and prosperity. But Jesus assessed these people very differently. Jesus said to these Laodicean Christians, you think you have wealth? You've got nothing but fool's gold. Buy from me real gold refined by the fire, eternal treasure. Jesus says, you guys think you're fashionable? Let let me tell you about your fashion. Your clothes are, are outdated and they're two sizes too small. You want fashion? Let me clothe you with white garments of righteousness. Jesus says, you think you're healthy? You, you've got eye salve? You think you're healthy because you got a great medical school that makes this eye salve? Jesus says, purchase salve from me that will open your eyes to the truth and lead you to fullness of life. Your eye salve is nothing but snake oil. 
See, friends, I want you to notice here, Jesus doesn't stop at rebuke. No, Jesus offers hope to his church. And he offers hope to everyone who falls into the trap of self-sufficiency and indifference. As one commentator I read this week declared, Jesus offers the gold garments and goop we truly need. I love that. The gold garments and goop we truly need. Look what Jesus says in verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may be, you may see. This church in Laodicea had mistakenly put their hope in the stuff of this world and they had lost their dependency on God and their passion for the mission he's given us. But here, Jesus offers them eternal treasures and true prosperity and ultimate healing. Friends, maybe you find yourself not too different from these Christians in Laodicea this morning. Maybe today, you yourself are putting your hope in money or fashion or health the stuff of this world. I want to tell you something this morning, if that's where you're at, what you're really looking for is fulfillment in all the money, in all the fashion, in all the pursuits of health. What you're really looking for is fulfillment. And Jesus tells us that that fulfillment is only found in him. He offers us eternal treasure and timeless fashion and genuine healing. And I want you to notice here, friends, while what the world offers leads to complacency, what the Lord offers leads to conviction, to passion and fervor in our faith. You see, when we understand our true dependency on the Lord, just how depraved and lost and sick we truly are and how much we need what only Jesus can offer us, when we recognize our dependency on him and, and recognize the hope and amazing grace that we find in him. Friends, we cannot help but seek to live wholly for him. I'm going to tell you a secret this morning, friends. A dependent and grateful church can never be an indifferent church. Let me say that again. A dependent and grateful church can never be an indifferent church. Friends, let us never lose our dependency on Jesus Christ. But here's an important question this morning. How do we buy these things from Jesus? Jesus says at the start of verse 18 that, that we should buy from him gold and, and white garments and eye salve so that we can see. How do we buy these things from Jesus? I mean, I thought, I thought Jesus offers us a free gift. What's this buy stuff all about? Well, this leads me to point number three this morning. In the letter to Laodicea, Jesus offers the kind of choice we need to make. The kind of choice we need to make with Jesus. Here at the end of Jesus' seventh letter, we discover that the gold garments and goop we truly need can only be purchased with our hearts. 
Let me read for you verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus says we need to open our hearts to Jesus. How do we purchase the gold garments and goop we truly need? We purchase them by humbling our hearts to the Lord. Friends, this is a purchase that costs us nothing. Nothing but our humble submission. And in return for that, Jesus offers us everything. He says, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. The the ultimate symbol of intimacy in the ancient world to, to share table fellowship with another person. Jesus says, not only will I enter in and dine with you, but I will give you a throne where you will rule with me in my millennial kingdom and over the new heaven and the new earth that I will one day create. Jesus promises us intimacy and reign with him. And it's a free gift if we simply open the door of our hearts to the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, friends, could it be that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart this morning? And maybe he's knocking on the door of your heart. What's he saying to you this morning? Will you let him in? Or maybe Jesus is trying to get our attention as a church this morning. Maybe Jesus is standing at the front door of Lakes Free knocking this morning. Will we hear him? Do we even care? Or have we become so self-sufficient and self-satisfied and self-centered that we've forgotten just how dependent we truly are on our Lord Jesus Christ? He's standing at the door knocking. Will we open him? Will we open to him and humble ourselves before him? And acknowledge our dependency on him. You know, friends, I don't know about you, but over the last seven weeks, as we've been studying these seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor, there have been many times over the last few weeks where I have stopped to reflect and and ask an important question. And that question is simply this. What kind of church do we want to be here, Lakes Free? We've seen seven churches with different responses to the Lord and to the mission he's given us. What what kind of church will we be here in the Chisago Lakes area? A couple weeks ago, my family and I, we went down to Roseville. We went to visit Joe's Sporting Goods. My wife wanted a couple rocking chair, camping chairs for uh, for Mother's Day, and so we went to look at their camping section and purchased some some nice rocking chairs that you could take with you traveling camping. We went to the back of the store. They had this beautiful display set up, this very realistic campfire setting with a tent, and, and they had mannequins sitting around a campfire with this electronic campfire. It looked real, and these mannequins were decked out in, in the most recent fashions, and they had all the high-tech gear draped all over them. I mean, it was, an incre- it was a beautiful setup. I mean, it looked amazing. Well, one of the mannequins was sitting in one of the chairs that I wanted to try out. So I went and I took it upon myself to gently move this mannequin to a different seat. Well, this well-dressed mannequin decked out in the latest fashions and all the gear, I went to lift this mannequin and his arm falls off. It's flopping around and it's 
in his shirt, and I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm, I'm trying to fix this mannequin's arm, and in the process, his head falls off. And the hat's rolling down the floor, and his head's rolling down the aisle. And now I'm looking around thinking, oh shoot, I've got this mannequin in my arms that's falling apart in front of me. And this last week, as I was thinking about this question, what kind of church do we want to be lakes free? I thought to myself, are we going to be like that mannequin? It looks so good on the outside. It's all dressed up and fancy. Putting on a great show for our community. But inside it's dead. Do we want to be like that mannequin? Or do we want to be a church that's alive and thriving in our service to the Lord? Friends, if so, it all begins with recognizing our dependence on Jesus. And never losing sight of that dependence. Friends, may we never lose our dependence on the Lord. May we never lose the focus of keeping our eyes on the source of all of our blessings in this world. And may we never lose the passion for the mission that Jesus has given us to reach the Chisago Lakes community and beyond. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's close in a word of prayer. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for these seven powerful letters that you shared with your churches in Asia Minor, letters that have served over the last few weeks to instruct us so well with what you ask and desire in your churches. Lord, we want to be a church that lives for you and honors you above all else. Help us to never lose our dependency on you, Lord. Help us to never forget how thankful we are for the many blessings you've given us. And Lord, may our dependency and thankfulness and joy in you inspire us to go and live on mission out of hearts of gratitude for the amazing God we have and your incredible grace that's been bestowed on each of us. Jesus, it's so good to be back together again today. And this is just the beginning. In the coming weeks, Lord, we're going to increasingly gather and worship and praise your name. And Lord, we want to be a church that when we come together is a church full of joy and enthusiasm and praise. But Lord, as we've talked about a lot in recent weeks, let us never forget that the church is not about what happens here on our property, but we are the church. And in a few minutes, we're going to drive out of this parking lot and we as your church are going to go out into the world. Remind us today, Lord, that we go on mission. We go in service to the God who has blessed us so tremendously. We go out of gratitude for the amazing grace that you've given to each one of us. Lord, help us live that out and share that with the world around us in the coming days. May Lakes Free Church always be a church that's alive and thriving for the sake of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it's been so good to see you today. I love you guys so much. I can't tell you how great it is to have my church back together again. Thank you for being with us. We're going to be back together again here next week, and then next Sunday evening for our business meeting, and then in two weeks from today, 
we're going to be going into the church gymnasium to praise the Lord together. We got some exciting days coming up, church. I want to leave you with these words this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Before you head out today, remember this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a great week, everybody. We love you. God bless you.